Hey everybody, another episode of AntCast. I'm here, Tom Chatelet here by the way. I'm Joey Manorino and Alex Phillips with American Priority. And we are going to do, this is what the second one, right guys? Number two, episode. Numero dos. Mm-hmm. So why don't you guys say hello for a second and we'll get jump in. We were going to talk today about a few things, but about kind of some of the activities you know, coronavirus is dominating the narrative. To be honest, I'm just so sick of hearing about it and reading about it, and it's just so overwhelming. So I think it'd be great to talk about things that we've been doing outside of, you know, while we're on quarantine or while we're locked down. But that because of because of coronavirus, but not uh, exclusively coronavirus directly. So why don't you guys take it off, Alex? Why don't you talk about something that you've done this week? Yeah. So. Friend of mine said that she's you know she's always looking at the brighter side of things, um, and she's out in California, and she's saying that you know let's look at the bright side of what's happening with all this uh, business with coronavirus and it's bringing you know families together and I, I noticed that yeah at my house um, we're obviously spending more time together because you know we can't even go out on a date I can't go out on a date with my wife and, and it's like a whole project to go shopping. Um, so this weekend we spent uh, building a fence around the house, and so we did that sort of as a group. And it was a beautiful it was a beautiful weekend to work outside. It was sunny, uh, wasn't windy, it wasn't cold, it wasn't too hot. Did get a little bit of sunburn. Oops. Um, my son, uh, one of my sons, is working on uh, getting the fence ready to stain, and uh, of course he's being motivated by financial incentives right now because <laughs> I'm paying him to do it. Oh, yeah, you, just, you did the old slip him a Benjamin. Hey, can you help me uh, on this fence? Yeah. And, uh, um, but I also started, you know, I started working on my um, projects. It seems like I had stopped working on projects at the house. I have hobbies. You know, I, I think everybody needs to have a hobby. You know, the jobs and coming home and, watching TV and then sleeping and then getting up and going to work and, you know, the cycle. People got to have something to do. And, you know, I like working on, um, I like to make stuff. So, you know, I I rehab some wind chimes for my wife and um, I am working on uh, an M14 rifle project that I had um, that was um, sitting in the gun safe for the longest time. And I was kind of wondering what I'm going to do with it because it just looked terrible and needed a lot of work. So it's been getting uh, rehabbed. Um, but I also like to make stuff in general. So it's been kind of fun. Um, you are, you're always doing stuff. Every time I talk to you, it seems like you're always cutting something or something or sanding something or refinishing something. Yes, I like to work with the with the my hands um it's it's kind of it's it's very uh it's very i don't know rewarding in its own unusual way it's not like you know i could go out and buy this thing and it probably cost 20 bucks but the fact that i made it myself just makes it more uh personal and you know it's kind of it was enjoyable um i've made you know a lot of things i'm not i'm not an expert i'm not a carpenter per se although i have been a general contractor in the past so i do know you know, the basics of the plumbing and the electrical and, you know, building things from scratch, essentially. But um, it's just, it's just, you know, it's rewarding. And it's a good skill. People need to know how to do stuff. You know, um, 
it's not always going to be, you know, uh, convenient for somebody to come out to your house and, and whatever, fix something. So, you know, it's a good idea for people to learn, you know, some crafts and some trades and um, to have things to do to make your own, make your own things. It's like butter, right? Everybody takes, takes for granted butter is available at the store. But my wife went to the grocery store the other day, which is like, you know, this terrifying event for her. And she comes back and she says, there's no butter at the store, you know, just stick butter. You know, we just buy regular stick butter. Um, she had to come back with some uh, hydrogenated uh, whipped business that you can spread. But, you know, making butter is not that hard to do. And, you know, it's a, it's a craft that is as old as the hills, essentially. You know, get yourself some uh, cream and put it in a mason jar and shake it up until it's not cream anymore. Now it's butter and buttermilk. And uh, you'd be amazed how wonderful that butter tastes after you spent <laughs> an, an hour shaking it. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's so funny. We were at dinner with the neighbors the other day, and we had sour cream, and they didn't have sour cream. We gave them one of ours. But it's like, a, like we're trading a rare commodity. But I think that's one benefit from all this nonsense, hopefully, is that people who are paying attention and people who I'm, – I'm kind of hoping it breaks people out of their routine. It unlocks them from this – you know, trap routine, wake up, go to work, come back, go to sleep, wake up that, which is fine. I, I get it. Um, you know, I've lived a lot of my life like that, <clears throat> but at the same time, it's, it's actually been quite beneficial for us on, in some, in some ways, you know, looking at it optimistically, you know, the other day, I know we weren't supposed to, but we broke the quarantine, went out into the mountains and did like a four mile hike and then, uh, came back. We planted tomatoes, peppers, um, some vegetables. So we're, you know, I'm going through that. We're trying to grow some food. Um, and, you know, I, I just got an AR the other day. And so now, uh, you know, Alex is helping me too, but I'm trying to figure out exactly how it works and disassemble it and take it apart. And <clears throat> also I'm learning about, you know, I'm, I'm making relationships with the local gun owners and, uh, gun stores and all of that and it's just crazy where i live in alabama the one store which is a very small mom and pop shop had sold twenty five thousand rounds of ammunition in the last week and he only had twenty five thousand left and all the other even the bigger chains don't have any ammo whatsoever so just goes to show you that at least where i live people are armed to the teeth so i don't think we're going to be having any safety issues around here probably um but yeah, it was a few years ago that there was this whole shortage of ammo for a while. And, um, you know, I'd go to the local store to pick up, you know, some 22, you know, just uh, for uh, plinking and, and for having, um, you know, in the house. And nobody had it. And I spent some time researching it. And it was really a problem. But, you know, there, there's a lot of places you can buy ammo. And I don't think a lot of people know that. But there's a website called ammoseek.com. And that's just a, you know, one place. But there's others like that. If you spend some time researching it on the internet, you can find places that you know, have various types of ammo. But, you know, my first suggestion to people is, you know, don't go, you know, crazy and buy, you know, thousands and thousands of rounds of ammunition. We're not preparing for war. Um, you know, defending, you're talking about defending your own property and family, you know, family from whatever you think might be happening. Um, 
it really doesn't require a whole lot of ammunition, you know, to deter somebody from getting too close to your house. So, you know. Speak for yourself, Alex. Everyone has their own war. I'm just kidding. Katja just got in the room, so Katja Lee's also here. What did you do this week outside of the coronavirus hysteria? I talked about the hiking. I talked about we got some plants, some tomato plants, some pepper plants. Alex built a fence and made butter. And what did Joey do? What did you do, Joey? What did I do? Well, I'll tell you. I'm in the middle of a city here. I'm in the middle of Vienna, so I can't go hiking. But I've been walking <laughs> a lot. I have been walking a lot. And I've, you know, when you live somewhere, I have not lived here long. I live sometimes here, sometimes in the United States, but I've been in Europe my whole life. It's nice to see places without people running around them. And so I probably shouldn't say this because I could get in trouble, but I've been doing a lot of photography, a lot of pictures, just walking around all these beautiful places that normally you cannot get to because there's about 500 tourists, usually of the you know Asian variety from China who come with the umbrellas and cameras. And this is a big thing over here. They come stacked with cameras and stacked with umbrellas and you can't see through them, you can't get good pictures. So I've been having a ball with uh, my friend's little Canon camera over here with it so all fancy that I can't really figure out that I'm learning. So I've been trying to figure that out a little bit and just seeing the world without a million and one people around, it's nice. It's really nice, because Vienna's actually a UNESCO heritage site. So the whole inner city, I've just been starting to enjoy without people around, it's nice. And it just, it's a different perspective when you see places and nothing's open, nothing at all. I mean, over here, it's different. The restaurants are shut. There's no takeout. There's only delivery. It's, it's a much different lockdown than the one in Alabama. I think you have a little more openness. Over here, there is nothing open. On the contrary, they are actually starting to open up Monday over here. April 14th, it will begin the grand unlocking of the city once again because they went hard early rather than... Um, stages so we shall see but it's been an interesting time and uh well and those now those photos are gonna those photos are historic too i mean you're 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 taking pictures of the city which is beautiful but you're also taking pictures of the city during a very historical time during the quarantine right it's very nice it's a great i'm telling you it, there, there is beauty in this as well but i'm ready for it to be over i'm a i'm a person that needs to get out i'm probably the most of anybody that i know not a homebody. I don't like being in the house. So I am just ready to get to a restaurant and when you, eat. You should take those pictures and you should put them in a tabletop book. Yes, that's a good idea. It that's really a is a good idea. It doesn't, it doesn't take much. You can even self-publish on Amazon, but you can put them in a tabletop book. And, yeah. it, uh, you know, a lot of people probably, by the, by the way, depending on where you're at too and what pictures you get. I mean, journalists like those pictures. Yes. Uh, news outlets like those pictures. Mm-hmm. It's, but a tabletop, tabletop book would be very interesting. A tabletop book would be fun. And it's just, you know, we're walking around and I'm thinking all these beautiful Easter decorations. They're all, all the stores are done up for Easter. And we're not even really going to have Easter this year in the same way as usual. It's, it's so interesting. What are these people going to do with all the Easter decorations? I just keep thinking of that. It's just going to all go out the door. But over here, it is a little interesting because, as I said, the 14th, they're opening up. Any store that is less than 400 square meters is going to reopen on the 14th. And public transit's gonna reopen on the 14th too, but you have to wear masks required or you get a, I think, certain level of fine. 
The only thing that's not going to open are the restaurants, the larger stores, which is sort of counterintuitive. You ask me, don't you think the larger ones would be better? That's all going to open May 1st. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's, it's harder. You know, in the U.S., I think they started about two weeks later than the lockdown here. So maybe it's going to be two weeks more and we'll start to open things there. Who knows? But it's, just, it's nice to know that somewhere in the world is opening up again. It is a nice thought to have when over in America right now, the thought is God only knows how long this is going to last. I mean, everybody's ready to get moving again. I, even today, I'll tell you the truth. I walked out. I've been walking around this morning a little bit and people are out. It's beautiful weather. And in reality, if it wasn't for the fact that all the stores are shut, the, the foot traffic outside is just about what it usually is. People are really just taking the days and enjoying them because it's so beautiful. It is very beautiful there. And you know, that's one of the things I think that when everybody takes a minute and you get to slow down and actually really take in the beauty that is around you, we're, we're very lucky. We live in such a beautiful part of America. Uh, Alabama is a beautiful and an amazing state in so many ways, but the beauty of Alabama is, um, you know, the scenery, the outdoors, the, 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 the forests that are here, the mountains that are here, um, the streams, the lakes. I mean, it's just such an incredible, beautiful city. Obviously it's God country because a lot of farmers and, um, are here and, you know, we have so many amazing um, vegetation. Um, you know, we decided to go ahead and just plant a small little garden this year where normally we're so busy, we can't be, do, be doing any of those kind of things. But um, so it, it's as silly as it sounds. I mean, it's kind of fun. We know we're going to have some tomato plants some peppers and some um, fresh herbs and things like that. Um, and also just getting the kids involved in these things too, spending more quality time with them and really um, enjoying, you know, this time that we have together and not looking at all the negative pieces of it. Cause there are a lot of negative pieces, but there's also a lot of beautiful things that are going to come of this being closer to your family, being closer to your children, um, getting to everybody to get to really know each other on, on a more deeper level. So I feel like that piece of it, that human experience is what I always look for. And I feel like it's just such a great opportunity for all of us to be able to have these experiences with our families and our friends. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope that's something that sort of stays afterwards, Katja, is that people will maybe take a little time, at least on the weekend. People have just sort of buried in their phones, buried in their computers, and not mm -hmm. really taken the time to be around family. Now that everything is sort of snatched away from people in such a quick time period, I think people are starting to realize like, wow, we really have been on autopilot for the past five years. We have not looked at our people, at least me. Yeah, and that's another, it's, it's a really, yeah, I think that that's really interesting that you say that because before, you know, it's like, we're always on our phones, we're on Twitter, we're on social media, we're, you know, staying on top of all the political, um, you know, everything that's going on with politics, obviously with our president and, and our, the agenda that we're, you know, we're trying to get him reelected and all these things are going on at the same time. And you realize that that's one universe and then you have all of this other stuff going on around you and taking that minute and stopping that piece of the universe, the politics piece of the universe, the social media, and actually stopping and looking around everything that's going on. I mean, our neighbors just behind us have a beautiful home 
and a pool and, and this and that. And you see him and the family out there working. They're building a fence. They've got, he, you know, taking the time to do all these home improvements, for instance, and take, because you have all this extended period of time to be doing that. So whatever your, your stick is something that you want to do. And I think Alex was speaking about that earlier about building a fence. You have this extra time to do certain things that maybe you hadn't had a lot of time to do, even though all of us are still working and we're still producing and, and creating things that we're doing with our side of our business. You know, also there's this ex extended period of time for us to do all these other things. You find that being bogged down that you thought you were so bogged down, which you probably were, um, it, you're less bogged down because you're prioritizing things differently, if that makes sense. Well, and I think, I think some of the stuff is going to, is probably, I'm hoping that some of the stuff's lasts a while. You know, I think people are going to probably, and you know, in America, it's a little different from Europe probably, but even in Europe, I'm assuming people will probably think a little bit more about what kind of food they have on hand, what kind of emergencies, you know, supplies they have on hand. I think this is probably going to change their thought process a little bit. And I, I'm hoping that you get people who are more self-sufficient, start cooking more, who start, right. you know, doing those kinds of things. Because whether there's a pandemic or not, those are things that I think our cultures are really losing and, uh, you know, on a, on a kind of mainstream scale. And so it's really good to see people, you know, digging in and learning these things and falling back into kind of an old way. I've been trying to take a, as much of a break from Twitter as possible. It's just, all when you get on there, it's just all negative, 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 attack this, politics, this, and I just get it's so, so much. It just fries my brain. So I'm doing it in doses right now, and I've kind of been off Twitter. It's been nice. Um, focusing on some other things and working on myself and working on my family. Uh, we picked up a, uh, uh, a few books. One of them is, uh, the, this book, this contextual Bible book where it tells you about the cultures and things that are hap that were happening at the time geographically and politically and, you know, socioeconomically and all these things that were happening during the time of the Bible, the stories of the Bible, which is really interesting, the historical context of that, you know, whether you're religious or not, I like history and it, that's just really cool to learn. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the kids, we've been watching the show on the Bible. So we've been watching now, you know, when he's like, what, 10? So she's getting a little older. So now we're trying to introduce her into, you know, more, the f more full, less, you know, cartoon Disney version of the Bible and of Christianity and showing her other aspects of it. And that's been really interesting, too. Um, but, you know, without the pandemic, who knows? Maybe those things wouldn't have happened. So uh, it's real interesting when some exigent factor puts people's lives on hold for a minute, what starts to happen. And I think you'll see the dichotomy there, but I'm really hoping some of those things are, are really prevalent. I hope social media use falls after this, to be honest, a little bit. From an individual standpoint, I mm -hmm. think that, for instance, each one of us have had a family member that becomes ill or becomes sick. And so that's our universe, our small little universe. We're dealing with this one issue, our parent, our grandparent, our kid, or whatever it is becomes ill that requires you to put a lot of attention to that, taking him to the doctor's appointments, dealing with all the different aspects of the illness and your home life and your work life and everything like that. So collectively as the human race, now we're all dealing with that same exact experience at the same exact time, which is infecting each and every one of us. 
very similarly um, to where our, especially in the West, our everyday life that we're used to going and getting our Starbucks coffee, starting our day off, talking to our friends on the phone, planning dinner parties, you know, going, you know, out to eat or going to church, uh, going to sporting events, our children in sporting events. And so the list can go on and on and on. And all of that is essentially halted. All of us at the exact same time are having this ex specific experience. So out of that, I can say from, you know, you know, just logically speaking, that's going to change the whole entire landscape of how we all do things in the future. After this, what is it going to look like? You know, after this being quarantined, all of us being quarantined for so long and changing the way that we wash our hands and interact with people and social distancing, what is that going to look like? Alex, I mean, what do you think that that's going to look like over the next, you know, six months? Well, so the interesting thing is, is to try to understand exactly what, what this change means. You know, what you can look at it from, you know, the perspective on the surface of, you know, we had these things that we were doing on a regular basis and now we can't do these things. So what do we do? But if you look deeper into that question, it's what is it that we do? with ourselves? What is it we do with our lives and how do we decide what we're going to do next? And so many people rely on, yes. you know, I have, I have a, a regularly scheduled this that I do every week that somebody else organized and I can plan on, you know, doing that because somebody else organized it. But now we're all of a sudden relying on ourselves. You know, my father, he retired, I don't know, probably a good 10, 15 years ago. And work, his work was his clock. He had to get up in the morning, he had to go to work, he had to do certain things during the day, and then he came home, and then the cycle, you know, sort of started over again. And then he lost his, when he retired, he essentially lost his clock. And so we've all lost our, a lot of people have lost their clock. I've seen people that maybe, you know, share something on Facebook once a month are now sharing 20 times a day and it's because they've lost, they don't know what to do with themselves. So they've, they pick up their phone and they look at it. So, <clears throat> you know, finding hobbies and other things that to take control of your life. And, and when you take control of your life, you're also taking a responsibility for your life. You know, so many people, and, and you know, we've talked about this, you know, everybody talks about the, the, you know, the fake news media, people had become reliant on, being told what they needed to know on a regular basis. And, you know, that has now proven to be a false narrative that, you know, you can't really trust everything that's on the news, even, even if it's conservative news or liberal media news or government sponsored news, you know, people have to become, you know, reliant on themselves again and stop being, passive and, and relying on others to tell them what to think and what to believe and what to do. You know, yeah. people um, look for solace in their church now. They, more people are you know, going online to, to watch church because they can't go to their, their congregation. But, you know, even still there, you know, you cannot just rely on God to take care of everything for you. You know, God has a plan, you know, whatever you believe, whatever God you believe in, obviously has a plan and I'm pretty sure the plan wasn't for you to just sit idly by and have things happen for you because that's the plan. No, you've got to go out and do something. You've got to go fix that leak in your sink uh, because it's not going to fix viewer. itself. 
You got to right. go, you know, you got to go plant those flowers because they're not going to plant themselves. You know, you got to rake the leaves. You got to cut the grass. You got to do all these things. You got to do something with your life. You can't just allow life to, you know, people, other people to, to, to decide for you what you're going to do. And so I think everybody's had an opportunity to, they, to see that firsthand. You know, what do you do when other people aren't deciding what to do for you? Right. And not only that, I mean, also like the social media aspect of all these influencers, you know, where they, they get on there and they'll, you know, do something, who knows, like makeup videos, you know, as Tom calls it, my, what do you call it? My girl porn. (laughs) (laughs) Makeup videos, decorating videos, you know, things like that. You guys like your you know, what's your favorite, what's your favorite, uh, show on, oh, I like, on YouTube? Uh, yeah, deer meat for dinner, Robert Arrington. He does like, uh, uh, hunting and fishing and he has a ranch. It's like his channel is amazing. In Florida. Mm-hmm. It's deer meat for dinner. So that was like one of his, I mean, that was, you know, one of those things that he likes since a YouTube channel and things like that. And then, you know, you have this TikTok and all these different things that the kids watch and adults do and you know and then you have the the actual influencers that create these uh videos and you know talking about whatever kind of nonsense that they're talking about and i personally have found that those are not as enjoyable as they used to be like it doesn't mean as much to me as it did previously if that makes sense that i have found my time to be more suitable for the little things like you know, for, as a mother, from a, from a parenting standpoint, we both can, you know, you know, Tom and I, Alex, you know, Joey doesn't have children, but we can look at the situation and realize that, you know, having that time with your children and spending time with your kids at, during this time is extremely valuable because there's so much going on. And, you know, these kids are very resilient, but think about what it must feel like for children to go through something like this and having their whole entire normalcy of their life to be upheaved and not knowing what's going on and why can't I go outside and play with my friends? Why can't I go to school? You know, so the children that are in school, we homeschool our kids, so it doesn't really affect them. But these other children, you know, that have this specific life in their clock, Alex, like their work clock is get up in the morning, they have breakfast, they go to school, and then they get on the bus and they go to school and they come back home, you know, and that's their life. And they have maybe their baseball or gymnastics or, and so, this is affecting all of us. Every single human being on this planet is exactly at the same time being affected by this. Although it may be in different ways, essentially, you know, whatever their little clock is that they have in their head is gone. Well, it's interesting you said that too. I think one of the things that will come from this is there, I think a lot of companies and a lot of people are figuring out exactly what they can do remotely. And so I think you're going to see a lot more jobs probably start working remotely as opposed to needing everyone to come into the office. Right. And also the homeschooling situation, which is another interesting variable. There's a ton of people I've seen on social media talking about how they're looking into homeschooling their children now because of the situation. And so that, you know, that's an interesting dynamic. There used to be a lot more homeschooling. It used to be a lot more prevalent. And so that, that, you know, I think an increase in homeschooling, for instance, that just that one variable can actually have a pretty long-lasting effect on society, depending on the scale. Because, I mean, it, there is a difference. I have children in public school, and I have children who are homeschooled, and there is absolutely a difference in the level of education they're getting, and also their behaviors and the, you know, the social interaction is a little different. But I would, I, I 
there's really no downfall to homeschooling from what I've seen. Obviously, if you have the ability to do it, not everyone can be a teacher. Not everyone can have a nanny or hire teachers. So I understand. But at the same time, it really is different. It, the result is different. And, um, and so I think that'll be an interesting thing if that yeah. continues. The kids that are like our kids that are homeschooled, you know, here we have uh, somebody that comes in and helps us and things like that. The, their critical thinking skills and the self-reliance on relying on themselves is completely different from being in the, in the public schools where they're told what to do and how to think. This is when they're at home, you know, it's a conversation. It's a thinking process. It's like, why would you think that? Let's go and do some research. Let's look at this and let's look at that. And so there's all of this openness of creativity also that's involved in that. And I feel like I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, the studies and things that will come out after this about how it affected kids that are in public schools. How did that affect them? And what is the plan for these kids that are in public schools that have been out of school for a month? Or, and that might be out of school for the whole year. Uh, yeah, exactly. What, what is the ramifications of that? And what, what, what have the school systems given these parents to help them get through that? I think that's an interesting aspect. I don't know the answer to that, but I think that that, we should, that would be something that would be interesting to look at because I think that a, you know, a lot of children you know, are just kind of like, what, playing video games all day? And what are they doing? I don't know what they're doing. Well, here's a here's an interesting observation. So my wife and I were um, watching television last night. And of course, what we were watching was the interesting observation. Um, the public have binge watched now. I think every good show on Netflix, and we are now down to the Tiger King. <laughs> and I don't know if anybody's watched that. I don't know if you guys have watched that. <laughs> I am embarrassed. I watch fact it. That I watched it. And that actually, I actually know what's going on, and I can't believe that I have now, you know, I've now come to that point in my life where I'm now watching this type of trash on television <laughs> because we've watched all of, uh, you know, we've watched all of this. We've watched, you know, there's, there's, there's just nothing else left to watch. And so, obviously, that's, you know, it came to the realization last night. I said, I said to my wife, I said, okay, so we've watched, we binge watched now every good series on netflix and now this is where we are so this is not good and so i think you know people people who, who are listening to this and are, are watching the tiger king i think you know what i'm talking about and maybe this should be a red flag that it's now time to you know get off the couch and go do something else and and <clears throat> speaking of doing something else i'd like to talk a little bit about um uh, I guess real, some real, what I consider real issues that are, you know, facing a lot of people uh, in the country right now. And that's, of course, you know, people that have lost their jobs. Obviously, you know, we're seeing the highest unemployment rate um, since the depression. This is a, a very real thing. We can't just, you know, this is not going to go away easy. And, you know, the Congress and the president, they all passed this uh, new CARES Act bill, which is, uh, you know, an attempt to, you know, inject some stimulus into the economy basically to protect people that are you know on unemployment but also moreover try to get small businesses to not let people go because it's it's a problem either way you know uh letting somebody go and throwing you know millions of people into the unemployment system that the states are not let's talk about you know not being prepared you know the states were never prepared for this level of unemployment uh, and they don't have the funds 
to be able to cover this. They don't have the, the people. I mean, you know, this is like, you know, the DMV is the worst example of, of a state government agency that's not prepared for a high volume. You know, they, they've always wanted you not to come into their office. Now they're literally not there and I, you, you can't get anything done to DMV. So now you got to go to a state agency and apply online or apply, you can't apply in person, so you gotta apply online and systems are crashing all the time because you know, they can't handle it. Or what if your only internet access is via cell phone? You know, does the interface work? Is it glitchy? You know, time's out, whatever. Um, you know, they got all these problems and now the SBA and the Treasury are confronted with now helping give small businesses, which is about 30, a little over 30 million businesses in the United States alone that are all being affected in one way or another. Either your company had to shut down because you're not making any money or your customers can't pay you because they're out of work. I mean, it, it never, it's, it's, it's a very interconnected system. Um, and you know, some of the reporters were making um, very negative comments about this, this problem in the press conferences. And you know, I will agree that they're, they're, the way they asked the questions were very poorly uh, chosen. Um, I think we are all in this together. We should all be trying to work toward trying to find solutions. But, you know, I, I didn't expect this to go off without a hitch. I mean, come on. Who, who thought that all of a sudden a bureaucracy, which does not function very well at all to begin with, was going to function better uh, at 100 miles an hour? Just oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. It's, it's going to come back to that it's going to be it's going to create a real interesting dichotomy in people's minds about reliance on the government self-reliance I, I you know depending on how long it lasts we don't know and how it's going to end or any of those things specifically in america i think in europe it's a little different maybe but probably similar where you know i think this is going to be kind of eye-opening especially for those people who have always been for a big state for a more powerful state uh you know we've pretty we have relatively a pretty big government at the moment and you know we're sitting here twiddling our thumbs because nobody really knows what to do and i think that's a great lesson kind of you know it's a it's a very visceral way to learn but it's a it's a great lesson for people that hey when stuff happens the government's not always going to be there to save you it might not be a good idea to rely on the government for every little thing that you do or have them so involved in your life and when they're not working then you're stuck Exactly. Uh, Fascinating to see, too, how it's taking them so long to get this money to people. I mean, I understand they got to send physical checks to some people. I mean, it, you never realized, I never realized it would take them so long to get this money. You would think it would be much easier. And other countries around the world are having trouble doing it, too. They don't, I mean, nobody knows how to get the money to the people so easily. And who would have thought something like that would be so difficult? Um, Spain, this is really interesting. They just decided they're not dealing with it. They cannot do the bureaucracy of it. And they're just straight up sending money to everybody because they cannot figure out who has lost the job, who has this. They're just sending, they're doing UBI at this point. It's just universal basic income. Canada, they don't, I mean, nobody knows exactly what to do. And we never face something like this. But I think now, you know, just how after 9-11, the world changed. This is the 9-11 in a way of this generation is the new world that's going to come of this we never had a tsa to the level we had it before 9 11 now that's the new normal in 10 years the new normal is going to be very different i think 
a lot of things are going to be put into place because of disaster mitigation, just that were never thought of before. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And maybe some other things. I mean, I wonder if handshaking is ever really going to come back in the way that it was before. I wonder if the way we hug, I mean, I just saw another thing I shouldn't admit, they're going to lock me up soon, but I went to a friend's house here for coffee and I'm supposed to do that, but that's okay. And we walked in, I didn't touch, I didn't touch them. No shaking hands, no hugging. And you know what? It felt fine because people, you don't know if they washed up before you came in, you don't know where people put their hands. People are dirty. And I'm really not missing the handshaking and the touching. I think that could be a tradition that if it goes away, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I don't know what you all think of that, but the masks in public during the flu seasons like they do in Asia, these are not bad ideas. And I, I'm not so sad if we start adopting some of that. What do you all think? Well, I don't know about that, Joey, because you know me, I'm a relate. We're both, you and me are both the relationship folks in this. I in am too. I am too. Enough to talk to people. And I know. Having that human interaction that is the touching and the feeling, I mean, that's primal. It is. I'm just going to, you know what, Joey, the next time I see you, I'm just going to run up and give you a big hug and a big wet, sloppy kiss. <laughs> well, you, you do every time, Tom. Well, I was just going to say, you already do that. I mean, come on. You already do yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, even though, like, I don't know I mean, how to do your no, But I'm talking about strength. Mean, like, I would always do that. I'm talking about strangers. I mean, when I was over, I went to China years ago uh, in 2017. Nobody touched. It was all, hello, you, you shake hands, but you don't shake hands. You just sort of bow. You just sort of look. You nod your head. And it's cleaner that way. I don't know. It's going <laughs> yeah, yeah. to be interesting. To, I Look, I use too many public restrooms to want to touch people when you see them walk out. And oh, don't. my God. Let's not get into that. Let me tell you <laughs> what. Let's not go there. The girls use the restrooms a lot different than the boys do. Well, you know what? I use the men's room, and I see the zip up and walk out. And you know what? <laughs> if not shaking hands, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. <laughs> But come on, I thought y'all like stood around shaking each other's hands. Yeah, basically, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, for Pat or any other women out there, basically, they're just cigar lounges. That we just go in there, we smoke cigars and talk about women and, you know, just to hang out, you know, much, much like women's, because women hang out in the bathroom for some reason. They all congregate there. It's very awkward, at least for me. Yeah. It's very awkward. You go into a men's room and nobody wants to look at each other. Like, they don't look at each other in the eye. No one, literally no one speaks. It's dead silence. Everyone feels weird. <laughs> and then they get out and then it's over. But girls are in there like, oh my God, girl. And doing their makeup and jumping around and like whatever else they do in there. Obviously, you know, it's Art. a very important piece. Maybe, maybe women after this won't be hanging out in the bathroom so much. <laughs> They yeah, will. Right. They do it to get away from us and talk about us. That's the exactly. <laughs> that's our safe space, you know. You go to where people take dumps. That's your safe space. No, listen. Girls don't do that in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning so much. But anyways, listen. Listen, I do feel like there will be changes, um, you know. But, you know, <clears throat> it's just not healthy for us not to be able to congregate, hang out and talk. I mean, that's part of our human experience as a collective. The other thing that I think is interesting and we'll see, I'm kind of experimenting this with myself, is the health, the health of people during a crisis like this, because, you know, I think you're gonna see a dichotomy. You're gonna see 
two things emerge. You're going to see people who gain a whole bunch of weight while they're locked, you know, while they're on lockdown because they're not doing anything except sitting around and eating food. And you're going to see people, I think, paying more attention to their health. Katya got me this Fitbit thing. So I've been looking at that and monitoring what I'm eating and drinking and exercise and steps and all these kinds of things, which I normally don't pay too much attention to, um, which is obvious by my, my very lean eight pack. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this affects people's health. I think the, the excuse now can't be, well, I don't have time because you have nothing but time for most of these people, especially if you've lost your job. You really don't, do, you don't have time. You, you have time to do anything you want. Um, and so it'll be interesting if people start focusing on health or working out or trying to get in shape or these things that they keep putting off or keep getting sidetracked about, or if it's going to go the other way and it just tanks downhill because everyone's just sitting around watching Netflix eating donuts all day. And I also think that our healthcare system is going to completely change the way we interact with patients to where having these, you know, virtual visits, if you will, um, with patients is going to be more prevalent instead of going into the office and waiting and, you know, with a bunch of sick people actually staying at home and being able to see a physician right over your phone um, or through other devices, I think is going to be incredible. I mean, the technology is already out there. A lot of different healthcare systems use that in our country, but I think that that's going to be more prevalent. Mm -hmm. Also just, you know, these people lining up at the local emergency rooms for nonsense has ended. I mean, we drive around all the time and there's all these little e urgent care centers that are open by the way, but you don't see 10,000 people there for, you know, some kind of, ah, my stomach hurts. I'm going to go to the local ER because a lot of people unfortunately do do that. And it takes away from the critically ill patients or people that are coming in from trauma and things like that. And I think that there's a big difference now. You don't see that as much. People don't want to get the coronavirus or the Chinese virus or COVID-19 or whatever the most recent um, Wuhan virus, whatever they're calling it nowadays. Same thing. It came from China. So Chinese virus sounds simple to me. They're not going to that because they don't want to catch that. Right. So what does that mean? What does that say? Well, it's interesting. Where do these there's sick people go? It will definitely cause new procedures too. Like we have, obviously we have, a, we also have another, we have a dog who's sick right now. And so he's at the vet, but even there, you know, seeing, and it's a completely different thing because it's for pets, but even there seeing the, the process. So now you don't, you don't bring the dog in, you right. go, they have someone outside and you just wait in your car and then someone comes and gets the dog for right. you. And that's See, how that it goes. Better. A lot of that stuff is better. I like yeah, that. So I mean, the doctor, I think waiting, the doctor, you should be waiting in your car if you have a car. And if you don't have a car, you can wait inside, but it needs to be, I've never right. understood this. With this and what about... Yeah, but what about house calls, Joey? Remember, you know, over there in Europe, you were telling me that it's very prevalent for the doctor just to come to people's houses. That used to be the way here in America. I, I mean, love what, that. What, the only thing is, it works in Europe because the houses are dense. Most of the, you know, we're talking about cities that are very dense. It's easy to get from one apartment to the next apartment. Even, even the wealthy in Europe in these cities, there's not many private homes in a lot of the cities. So in America, where one house in certain areas can be six, seven miles from the other house, I mean, look at Alabama, some parts of Alabama, you won't see a house for 20 miles. So it's a little different in that case. The doctors might not be so inclined to do that. But I would love that. I mean, I've never understood. You go to a hospital, you're sick, you go in with a common cold, or you go in with a stomach bug, and you go and sit next to somebody, or somebody comes and sits next to you. I remember I was having 
a kidney issue a few months back and I kept having to go into the hospital because God knows what was going on. And this one woman, I'll never forget, she's coughing her brains out. This was in June. And she plops herself. There's all these open seats. Plops herself right across the thing from me. It's like, you, you, what are you doing? You despicable person. Go to the other side. Get away from me. You're sick. You're a sick animal. Get away. And so I can barely move. I'm at that point. I'm taking my little feet trying to get the brakes off of this thing to get away from her. So maybe this will give people a sense of personal space and that if you are coughing or you are sneezing, get away from everybody. Just And then stop. also not making feeling like you have to go to work because a lot of people don't have PTO time to take. They no. don't have sick days to take. I mean, honest. And if you don't go to work, they fire you. And this Look, is remote working now is, the, you know, a lot of, lot right. of employees are going to be saying, I want two working days from home a month. You know, right. it's going to come because now they're going to say, look, it worked during the corona time. Why can't it work during? And think time? about, expand that idea also like tort reform. To speak about that, to allow doctors, nurse practitioners, physician's assistants, folks like that to be able to come in and see patients at their home. And so they don't have to feel like they must only go to the hospital or go to the ER. You know, let allow people to have a physician or somebody come to their home and see about them them or their child. I mean, think about how that would help with, you know, you know, passing these illnesses around to one another, flus and the viruses, et cetera. Um, and how that would actually help in the larger scheme of, um, you know, the labor and people not be, not being able to go to work or being able to do their duties because they're sick because we're all passing around these illnesses to one another and actually staying at home and being able to get well quicker and not infecting the whole entire population at your um, work. You know what I mean? Um, and then also um, from a standpoint of if you do work from home, let's just say that, think about all the car, less cars that would be on the highway, you know, going to work and sitting in the two hour traffic in the morning. And think about the health of the, of, of the person that has to sit in that car for two hours. Like in California, all these larger cities, it's ridiculous. The amount of traffic just to go 20 minutes away, 20 miles away, you've got to sit in traffic for two hours. That is the life of so many people in these larger cities. What if you could reduce that and actually have more people stay at home? and do their work and where they don't have to get in their car and do those things. And then think about the pollution that everybody talks about, how that would be reduced because you wouldn't have so many cars on. on. And again, this is another really great exercise oh, yeah. that we're gonna look at data after all this and all these larger cities and, and, and there's gonna be proof that if we do reduce X, Y, and Z instead of carbon taxing people, let's do something that's really, um, something that really changed the whole entire landscape, not just for uh, this moment, but for years and decades to come. Well, telework is, uh, has been kind of an interesting, you know, dynamic, you know, companies have always been very reluctant to let people work at home and now they have to let them work at home. And so productivity has dropped a little bit. And, you know, as a business owner, all my employees either work out in the field or are now working at home with the exception of one who, um, she just can't because she doesn't have any broadband at the house. And uh, being an internet company, I can't seem to figure out how to get it to her. So I come to the office, she comes to the office and we lock the front door. We installed you know, a device to allow people to put their payments through the door. It's called a mailbox. And uh, 
Um, and, uh, actually, you know, we have to keep the door locked so people can't come in. But um, we social distance. She stays in her room and I stay in my room. And uh, we don't hardly talk to each other face to face anymore. So, but, you know, the strain on, <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't call it a strain, but we, you know, as an internet company, we've seen a significant spike in requests for internet. So a lot of people that were just using their cell phone for uh, casual emailing or now have to work from home, you know, need to have internet. So we've seen like, you know, almost a doubling of uh, requests for internet services, which is, you know, yay, good for me. Um, I've also noticed that as people spend more time at home on the internet, their lack of knowledge of technology becomes even more apparent and I get a lot more calls, people asking what we call in the industry are stupid questions. <laughs> but, you know, they still ask them and so we have to answer them. But, uh, you know, I think that, you know, yeah, a lot of, I think the world is changing. I think we're seeing a dynamic um, that is going to be the new normal. You know, Fauci says that we're never going to be in a real normal situation uh, going forward. We're just going to just not be in a situation that we're in today. But I really feel like it's, it's our time as a collective, you know, the folks here in America specifically and in the West is that if we all like, and the majority of us can come together and decide what that's going to look like. We don't need the government to decide anything for us. Obviously the government doesn't know anything. I mean, you know, they got, they have the Wuhan virus, Chinese virus going on over here. And, you know, all these countries are affected by that bad decision. You know, PC was involved in Europe. Look what happened to poor Italy. You know, and I say that because those people there have no idea what's going on with all these corrupt government officials and, you know, China taking over a port in Italy. People have no idea. I mean, I'm probably telling this to people. They've never even heard of this and they can go look it up. And then you have this influx of all these Asian American or Asian folks that are living over there in Italy. And then you got this huge hotspot over there in Milan. It's not a surprise that that's going on. And, you know, the same thing could be said for uh, Spain and all these other countries across the world, including America. And, you know, I think that people are actually going to decide that, you know what, no, we are not going to have our rights taken away from us. We're not going to be forced to do things that we don't want to do because this person wants to make a quick buck. They want to become a gazillionaire. So they sell this out to so-and-so and then that person gets to do whatever they want to do. And then, and then the byproduct of that is that what, now we all have to wear masks and wash our hands 10,000 times a day. Isn't there some kind of medication that we can take a prophylactic vitamin or something that will enhance our immunity to all, all these different sicknesses out there oh my god listen guess what hydroxychloroquine somehow that medication is helping all these people why is it that we're now just figuring these things out these are those questions that people are going to be asking themselves as they move forward because not everybody's going to want to wear gloves 24 hours a day and masks it's nonsense to make people feel like they have to do that just like it's nonsense that we have to stand in line for an hour to get through the TSA just to jump on a damn plane. There's just, it's this overreach. It's not um, practical in so many ways for all of these different rights of ours to be taken away and replaced with the government and the big brother deciding for us what we can and cannot do. And I think that those conversations, again, after all this is over with, those conversations are going to be had and people are not going to be you know, accepting that. For instance, we're in Alabama, we're not in New York. New York is a completely different animal than it is here. You know, this is a, a smaller state, the cities are not big, they're not ran like these, you know, big conglomerate, you know, uh, 
huge cities where they have all this public transportation and everybody's on top of every everybody. Why is it what works for them would work for us? It's not going to. So I think that that individual state idea too is going to be coming into play too. And I feel that, you know, people cannot just, it's apples and oranges. You cannot compare. And that's why they call this hotspot thing, you know, hotspots, okay, in all the different areas. What works for one state may not work for another based on their population and based on the structure of their state. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. I, and I how so. that, and I, what does that look like in Virginia? Like, talk about what's going on in your state, Alex, because they seem to like really went crazy over there with like shutting everything down till June. Well, you know, we have a, we have a doctor who is a governor and, you know, doctors are essentially, you know, science-based uh, people, you know, they have no faith, they have no uh, wiggle room on those types of things. And, that, and you, you got to understand, you know, where the basis comes from some of their decision-making processes. I, my wife is, uh, is in the medical profession and, you know, she and I have disagreements about the hydrochloroquine, mostly because of, you know, her background, you know, studies, trials, you know, that we have to have this information. And the question is, why do we have to have this information? Well, we'll start with, we wanna make sure that, you know, anything that somebody takes actually does what it says. And so we have the government that tells us this is now safe. This is now safe and for what it's prescribed for. And so unless it's, uh, you know, the government tells us that we can't change, but doctors, you know, for centuries have uh, used their own judgment on things. And, you know, they're all smart people. Obviously they went to, they went to school for a long time and have spent a long time in the medical field. And I, I kind of like, I want to be able to rely on doctors again. And doctors can't tell us what they want. They have to rely on the rules and regulations of the hospitals they work for. And where do those rules come from? Well, they come from mitigation of cost. You know, we don't want to be sued for making a mistake. We don't want to have our insurance be high. So we create procedures. If you have a procedure to protect against a lawsuit, then your insurance means, means your insurance is less for liability. Now, if you don't have a procedure to mitigate these types of things, then your insurance liability is high. So, you know, I think a lot of people are, need to realize this, and, and it's probably the next generation that are gonna to have to fix this one for us, but they're gonna to have to start thinking about, you know, what causes us to get into these situations? You know, why does it cost so much? Why is the government so bad at doing these things? Well, because they've gotta boil it down to protect us from the least common denominator, which is usually the smallest amount of people trying to take advantage of a system. Like with the CARES Act, you know, as soon as I started seeing the rules come out, I thought to myself, oh my God, there's gonna be people taking advantage of this all the time. And so, what Congress legislated, the SBA bureaucracy is trying to, uh, within their own organization, mitigate uh, potential losses. And I don't, I don't think that they're doing a good job of it. And, um, but at the end of the day, you know, we have a system now that's not really working that well, and it's trying to protect people from things that may or may not be a problem uh, for reasons that may or may not be legitimate. It's, it's, it's not a simple thing to say in, in five seconds, but it is, it is a very uh, real problem. We all, have to, we all have to kind of spend some time trying to figure out what that is and make it better. But, you know, people have, there are people that take advantage of things and there are people that blame, 
people for things that don't go right. Um, uh, the, the numbers that, you know, people are starting to see as far as applications to, you know, uh, funding for the CARES Act is, is going up very fast, but the amount that are actually being serviced is not going up as fast as that, as, a, as the rest of the government would like to see, or as like President Trump would like to see. Um, I, I think that maybe over the next couple of weeks, they'll try to get some of this stuff worked out. But like Joey was saying, you know, in Italy, you know, there, I don't think they're going to be able to come up with the formula that says that, you know, this dollar is going to go to a person who actually needs that dollar. Um, what they're doing now is they're keeping a dollar from 10 people so that one who shouldn't get it doesn't get it. And that's, I think, a problem that they're just going to have to, you know, let go and just, you know, suck it up and let that one person out of 10 who's not supposed to get that dollar, get that dollar and just call it, you know, call it even at this point in time. And I don't, I don't know, you know, this is very counterintuitive to government. Um, that's why a toilet uh, seat costs so much money. You know, they're so busy trying to avoid uh, greed and corruption that the only way they can do it is by paying way too much money. But, um, you know, that's just another one of those things that, you know, Americans are going to have to figure out what is the most important thing in their life to get fixed. And, you know, when is this priority going to be addressed? <laughs> um, On that note, for more information about American Priority, you can go to AmericanPriority.com. You can follow us on Twitter at AmpFest underscore USA. And this has been another podcast by the American Priority Group. We had Katja Lee, the wonderful, beautiful Katja Lee, myself, Tom Chatelet, Joey Manorino reporting live on the streets of Europe and Alex from Virginia. So what do you guys have any closing statements for these folks? Alex, the most amazing and incredible person. And obviously Joey is so, so fantastic. Very stylish dresser. He's Well, obviously he's a very good dresser. (laughs) I think that he dresses very nicely. And also he's very sweet and kind and very thoughtful. And I just love him. Like he's my own personal brother. Um, something real quick I want to just mention a lot of people have been emailing me and DMing me and you know smokes smoke signaling me in some cases um, you know is the amp fest on for this year are we gonna have it um, and the answer to that question is yes it's planned for October 8th to the 11th uh, and we just uh, signed a contract with the Trump National Doral so we're gonna be back where we were last year with a beautiful golf, PGA golf resort, uh, Trump National Doral. Uh, we're going to have uh, a lot of great speakers. We should be making some announcements shortly of our first round of uh, speakers and guests that are going to be at the event. It's going to be a great year. Uh, again, it's going to be better than last year. I think everybody should plan on this. Uh, go to the AmericanPriority.com, get yourself registered. Uh, some pieces of information that people have been asking me, you know, what if we don't have the event? We don't have the event then you don't, you know, everybody will get a refund. Uh, if uh, the hotel, get your hotel room locked in. If you don't, you know, don't, don't have the event, you get your money back. Uh, but one thing you can't get back is the excellent prices for airline tickets. So once all this is gone and normalcy is starting to return, the price of airline tickets are going to go back up. So I recommend everybody go to AmericanParty.com, get yourself registered. We still have some uh, slots available for priority passes. Um, we're going to be making announcements again uh, shortly with some new speakers. Uh, get your airline ticket reservations now that flying is so cheap. 
um, and uh, and reserve your hotel room and and basically plan on being there. It's going to be the hottest thing, uh, hottest thing this year. For We're sure, sure. be one of the only things this year, which is uh, definitely going to be great. We are missing so many great events right now, and it's going to be wonderful to get everybody together in one place. It's going to be like I think it'll be. Now. It'll be perfect too. The environment will be perfect. You got this very high stress situation. All these events and political events and everything right now are being postponed or being looked at, or a lot have been canceled. Um, but you know, as long as it goes off without a hitch, after all of this, going to a resort, going and playing golf, going, you know, going and just relaxing out in the in the Florida sun and just taking it easy and getting a breather, for a lot of people is going to be very therapeutic. Absolutely. That sun is therapeutic all year round, all 100%. the time. And it's, we know it's, a, it. it's a good thing to actually just get sun in general. So people get out of the house. We're going to go now. Get out. Go enjoy it. Don't get arrested. Go to your backyard and enjoy it. But Yeah. And we're praying for Boris Johnson, the prime minister of, in Britain right now. I hope he gets oh, better. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that's just crazy to have a, your leader in ICU. The whole country, I mean, it's just in disarray right now. And I couldn't imagine. I could never imagine that. That's we're praying for our brothers across the ocean. I hope everything over there goes good and they they get that squared away and he dodges that bullet, so to speak. So uh, we're we're here, we're thinking about him. He will. Well, all right, folks. Uh, that was another episode of Ampcast. So join us at the next time we do this, which I'm not exactly sure when it will be, but maybe in the next couple of days. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.